Captain Cayman! Greetings, listeners. This is your Capitan Michael Cave, and we've got a very special guest aboard the vessel today. He's a fellow leader in the state of California, and his name is Eric Jenkins. Eric, welcome aboard my cruise ship. Thank you. I like the digs, man. This is really nice. It's a very cozy, very cozy ship here out here on the water. Absolutely. And we are going to be taking a voyage out to the port of call named Leadership Island. But I do want to tell you about some of the accommodations on the cruise ship, my friend. Awesome. So for starters, you're a tall guy, so we're on a we're on a big vessel and uh, you don't have to worry about hitting your head or anything like that. I trust you don't get seasick, but you don't have to worry about seasickness on this vessel. But we offer a food and beverage service. So I wanted to, since you can have anything you want on my cruise ship, I want to know what you would like since it's lunchtime on Sunday for lunch to eat and then the drink. So share with us, what are you having? Oh, man. Well, I'm a foodie, so this is hard. <laughs> I, you know, I would sum it up and just say it would be an open buffet. Like we'd bring in Caesar's Palace from Vegas with the open buffet and everything. So I can just have everything. <laughs> but if I'm if I'm narrowed down to just one, I would probably go with a good steak and seafood combo. Mm. And I think drink wise, I would like a good sparkling water of some type with some lemon. Mm. And then maybe like, uh, you know, pairing a glass of wine with it would be nice. And then maybe an after dinner cocktail, a good Macallan, you know, okay, 18 or a 20 year. But, you know, it's not too much to ask. Not a problem at all. Like I said, we can accommodate anything you want on this cruise ship. But in terms of your stateroom, I've got you an ocean view suite so that you can kind of hopefully you're going to invite me in and we're going to sit on the back patio watch the waves and just chat about leadership. So let's let's really dig into that. So you and I, we met at the uh, 29th cohort for the CalHR Leadership Academy. And it was interesting because when I started out that five day cohort, I was just trying to survive it. I, I just really was. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, I heard the curriculum. I'm like, yeah, I've been through a leadership academy before. So how am I going to stay engaged? And what I came up with was just be me and talk. Exactly. Um, you know, it's funny you say that. I think we both kind of went into it with the same feelings. Right. Um, I had had to participate in that same exact cohort previously. Right. Um, and as as knowing going into it as a, as a supervisor the first time, going into it as an actual manager the second time, the curriculum was pretty much the same. So I, you know, I was a little worried the first time, you know, same apprehensions you have. Right. Is this going to be engaging? And I did the same thing. I went in the first time with the same mindset of, you know what, I'm just going to be me. I, I love to be involved. I love to engage. I love to spark up discussion. I love to speak truth. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm definitely somebody, I think that, you know, I, I, I try not to hold back just because it might offend somebody, but I also choose my words carefully to, you know, I like to uh, incite conversation. And I think a lot of people really hold back in those trainings. So it's neat when you start, you know, one person speaks up then another comments on another. And before you know it, the whole room is engaged in conversation. Yeah. And you're just sitting back and watching. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good point, though, because I'm the same way, actually. I think you and I are cut from the same cloth and the same leadership fabric because I I want to talk about what's real. I want to speak truth as well. And we were both, I think, in that whole five day cohort, we were spitting straight fire and people were getting really engaged with what we were yeah. talking about. And I don't know why people are so apprehensive in these things where they want to hold back because the Vegas rule applies. Nobody's right. going to share what you share. And I think it's helpful to share about what you're going through as a leader because everybody gets it. Everybody goes through it or has gone through it. So you could get insights when you share, when you speak up. And if you go into it with an open mind, you can come out, I think, better, really right. better. I, I really enjoyed what you were saying in the cohort. And I know that you actually 
won the very first CalHR Academy <laughs> Emerging Leader Award. And I was like, man, when I heard that this was going to be kind of a competition of sorts where somebody was going to win from our cohort. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, this guy's going to get a lot of votes because he's just really leaving an impression on people. But again, my my approach was just talk and share, stay engaged, listen and offer insights for people. And it seemed to resonate. It really did. So I had a blast. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the thing that stood out to me the most, too, with you was your ability to kind of bring everybody together. There were times in the class that we had some, I think, some passionate disagreements about, you know, processes or procedures or how the state handles certain things. And you you were kind of always that person in the back that had that voice of reason. You know, it was like I, I would almost wait. It was comical because I kind of <laughs> once we got to know each other and I kind of got to see, you know, your strengths. I knew if I got everybody fired up just a little bit, you would be there in the end just to bring them all back and kind of circle. So it was fun. <laughs> Um, you know, it's a, a little a little back and forth that um, I think really helped people. We had a really diverse group in that in that class, and it was it was so amazing to me to see just everybody, you know, their their shine. You know, when they got engaged, and they, you know, we all had good chuckles and laughs, and then there were some very serious times, and it was kind of like this whole you know spectrum of just just anticipation of what was going to happen next. And I love that when that was happening, you know? Yeah. Um, And and granted, there are some times, you know, and I think in all training, whether state, private sector, you know, there are some lulls and there are some times where it's not as dynamic as we'd like. But I think that's where we as a group, especially you, kind of stepped up and made it more interesting, made it more dynamic, made it more exciting for what it was. And I think that's ultimately what got you that award and you definitely had my vote Mm -hmm. uh, not only from the that standpoint but just you stood out very quickly there was a few candidates in the class I think that you know really you could just tell right away they were seasoned they were they were natural people people you know I love that saying people people (laughs) I got you (laughs) yeah yeah but, you know, it, it, there was a few, so it was really quick. And I was trying to spread the wealth, if, if that makes sense, in that I was trying to find strong character, strong character traits of everybody in the class and give everybody a chance, right? Mm-hmm. And so every day I made it a point, you know, we had those those uh, cards or whatever we call them, the, the little ticket. Yeah, the, the, the payload. Yeah, that had the, the strengths on them. And so every day I made it a point to try and go through and pick three or four people that I could give something to that they showed that day. And you were one of those people, though, that just every day I was like, well, I can't ignore the fact that he did this, this and this. <laughs> and it was just it changed the dynamic in the room. So I'm like, dang it, Michael, I've got to go put another one in your, you know, <laughs> So that was kind of comical. But um you know, yeah, I mean, it, it boils down to, I think leadership part of, and for me, my philosophy has always been with leadership is just engaging people. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to just ask somebody, hey, how's it going? How have you been? Right. You'd be amazed at what people come back and tell you or, you know, what that sparks in a conversation. So, you know, people always say, you know, oh, you're a social butterfly. I think that's like, if you saw me, you would never probably call me a social butterfly. Right, right. <laughs> but I love people. I love, I have a passion for people. I have a passion to help. I love fixing problems. And I think those are character traits that just naturally fall in line with leadership. Yep. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a leader. I think I'm more, I like to say I'm a team player that loves to like go and do, and then hopefully my team will follow behind me. Right. And, you know, and, and there's all those great quotes and sayings and everything. And, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer. I don't let my, you know, I won't ask my staff to do something that I won't do. Yeah. And, you know, working in business services, that's a, that's a tough thing. You know, I notice as I'm getting older, my body doesn't recover like it used to. It doesn't, yeah. you know, physically, I, I can't do what, you know, some of my younger staff can do. Yeah. And, and so, you know, but I'm still pushing and I'm still trying to make myself better in that aspect, as well as, you know, setting the example of, you know, hey, I'm the first one out my office door to get a physical task done, if that's what we're doing that day. Mm-hmm. And everyone else kind of is like, oh, he's going, I better go. So, you know, I think that's, 
I kind of strayed off a little bit there, but I, I you know, it just it, it made me think about leadership as a whole and how important setting an example is. So yeah, well, after all, Eric, we are on a, a virtual cruise ship and it's equipped with state of the art navigation system. So don't worry about straying. We're gonna hit. <laughs> We're going to hit our destination come hell or high water, seriously. But you're right. It It's kind of like we embody the same things as a part of our just people fabric. And I'm right there with you as far as I don't typically ask my staff to do something that I'm not willing to do. For example, I got up this morning, five something, to try to beat the, the girls up before they start asking for breakfast and all that stuff that they do, even though my middle daughter, Emma, was tapping me saying that she's... Uh, hungry i'm like okay what's new I'll, I'll feed you but then i looked at my phone my work phone and i saw that oh my team was patching this weekend and they had the zoom link so i'm like i better do the right thing and just show them that i don't not want to be a part of that so i just hopped onto the zoom said good morning hung out for a bit asked a few questions and then signed off and i think they really appreciated that to me as a leader is the right thing to do and when they see that you're committed to giving up part of your weekend, then they don't feel as bad for having to be up at five in the morning. People are yawning, all that kind of stuff. And I'm just <laughs> laughing because I'm like, man, it is kind of early. And one guy sounded like he just needed some coffee in a bad way. And then I heard a guy making some coffee. So I call that stuff out. But to your point about what I was doing in that cohort i was just being me and i think when i was really challenging myself to stay engaged and to bring something to the table all i was really doing was just saying all right i'm gonna do a little assessment what did i assess and i assessed that i probably had more leadership experience management experience than most people in the room and i needed to share the wealth basically so i knew i had stories for most of the topics and read the energy in the room, read the controversy, read the frequency and right. deploy the flair accordingly. Right. No pun intended, but yeah, it's interesting that you were playing off me because I was kind of playing off you. I'm like, I hope he said something because it's going to be solid gold. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's spitting straight truth fire. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we need to hear. The funniest thing for me in that whole cohort was when we had to make up that reorg organization and come up with the sales pitch for the governor. And my team came up with this wacky, wacky name of a project called Cloud9. And I had my phone, I brought it up to the podium. <laughs> I went on YouTube and I found a song, a funk song. <laughs> and it was kind of like a spur of the moment thing. And then one time I dropped my phone, I just fumble it and everybody just laughed because I just picked it up like, yeah, that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's great, you know, it, it, it it just goes to show you you never know what can happen when you make yourself vulnerable i think yep. um, you know and you just make yourself real i think a lot of times in leadership we're we're used to seeing this image of what everybody expects leadership to be and i tell you what i am more impressed by leaders who are real and allow themselves to be vulnerable and have flaws and make errors in front of you mm -hmm. than i am by somebody who is perfectly spoken who makes every decision, you know, with grace and poise and, you know, it, it you know, I, I, it sounds kind of funny, but somebody who is willing to make mistakes with you is so much more appealing to me. And I try and I relate that to my team a lot. You know, my, my number one rule in our group on my team is, you know, and I say it over and over again, if you fail, the only thing that's required is you try again. Yeah. And and I have that circled. It's a big, I have a whiteboard in my office and it's the biggest thing in the center of my whiteboard. And it's a circle and it's an arrow pointing in this basic, you know, infinite pattern. In the middle, it says number one rule, try again. And, you know, fail equals try again. And it's just repeating itself. And that's because that's all I ask my staff. If you fail at something, try again. Yep. Come to me, let's work it together. Let's try again. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, we've gotten into a, a kind of a habit right now, especially with everything going on, that it's too easy to kind of sit back and just go, well, we tried, I'll let them know I tried, and this is what we're getting with the end result. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it doesn't meet the, you know, the end point, then, you know, there's stuff that still needs to be worked out. And so I, you know, we go back and we try again and we try again. And as long as you're not giving up, that's all that matters to me. 
yeah no i completely agree and for me it's kind of like with failure best thing that can come out of failure and sometimes nothing good comes out of failure but the best thing is growth personal growth professional growth so with my team i'm the same way it's like i expect people to make mistakes i just don't want to see the same mistake being made over and over again because then you're right. not growing then you're not learning and you, when when it happens you don't come down on the person you just eh, you know this happens at I'm not perfect. I make mistakes every now and again, and it gives you something to shoot for. But I've been around in management and leadership a long time now. And I think I figured out that, look, this is what works for me. This is what works for my brand. And this is how I could have the biggest impact. And I gain my inspiration from all sorts of different places, like even LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is a pretty awesome platform yes. in that there's people using it in all sorts of creative ways. You've seen how I've been using it as of late with my augmented reality <laughs> avatar, just dancing and break dancing. And, you know, I use it to talk about the podcast to talk about the book, but sometimes I get deep into the philosophical stuff and I write an article on LinkedIn and, but you post a lot of inspirational quotes and I feed off of that. I really do Eric, because it's like, it's straight truth and that's what's needed no matter what kind of day you're having or month or year. It's just with leadership, there's so much back to basics stuff that you could just use for strength. Those quotes, those yeah. John C. Maxwell quotes and just yeah. quotes from all sorts of other great people. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, you understand as a leader that you have to be comfortable in your own skin and right. you have to be a certain person for your team members because they have a choice they're either going to follow you or they're not going to and you want to be somebody that people want to follow and that takes a couple of different flavors doesn't it all right people want to work for this person they're not running from this person to me that's a great metric and as a leader the longer you're in the game i think the more likely the, the metric of staff turnover is gonna come to haunt you if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing as a leader and the the, the data accumulates fast right yeah people are leaving and somebody if they're not asleep at the wheel they're gonna be like why are all these people leaving under this manager they're not retiring they're leaving right correct under the leadership right and i think that's an important distinction because you know one of my favorite quotes was something along the lines of people don't quit bad jobs they quit bad leaders mm -hmm. and that's so true in my current position where I'm at the hardest thing for me looking at my next step right and my leadership goals and in the next position and the next venture and the next challenge is I absolutely love my leadership and that makes leaving so hard and you know you can only and, and this is a true and I'm sure you're learning this or have learned this in the state in certain departments, especially smaller ones like the one I work for now, mm -hmm. there's only certain levels you can attain in certain fields, right? So right. my specialty just happens to be health and safety, emergency planning, building facilities, management like that. Being in the general management class, not the IT class such as you, you, you get to a level where, you know, you either have to stray off into something else or find a department that has the higher level classifications or a CEA or something that has those functions underneath it. Yeah. And so as I look at, you know, my next steps, what are my next steps for me in my career and my adventure, as I call it per se, mm -hmm. it's deciding not as the grass greener on the other side, but do I really want to give up this amazing leadership that has taught me so much and brought me so far, I feel in, in my journey to get to the next challenge. And that's scary, right? And I think a lot scary. of people, it freaks them out. You know, we have a little more stability in state service where if it doesn't work out, you can always go back. But, you you know, then that perceived, well, you failed at the, you know, going to the next level and now you're back. And, you know, so there's a lot of things that come into play, I think, and, and people don't realize how important having good leadership is. And when you have a direct report that is amazing, and then on top of that, your deputy director is amazing, and then on top of that, your department director is amazing. It's like, you can only get that so many times, right? Before you're yep. just like, oh my goodness, I don't want to leave this. This is this is my family. Like, you know what I mean? You you develop and you, you yep. sacrifice and you work hard. 
and you, you you strive to get to that and then you realize well crud now i'm stationary i'm stagnant i need all these points except i'm not being challenged anymore right mm-hmm. and i i think that for me in my brain is is what helps me is getting challenged constantly learning and growing getting to the next level and so i think that's what's you know kind of pushed me forward I, I guess a lot quicker um you know people say you know how you know what was your career path in state and i've i've had the great pleasure of hiring a uh, gal that came from private sector uh fresh out of college and and brought her in and she's you know she's got all the quality traits of you know people that move up quickly and, and advance and it's just neat having her ask me all the questions that I asked when I first got in right yeah um, and you know people you know and you get the you know when you come in I came in as an OT because I didn't know anything about the state here I was a manager in the private sector making close to a hundred grand a year back in you know what was it 2000 and the, the private sector kept having the layoffs and the people selling private businesses and, and I kept wondering like about stability and so i decided finally you know what let's make the jump i kept telling, having friends tell me jump into government it's more stable there's a lot more stability for your family and me and the wife started having kids and and so coming in as an ot i didn't realize a lot about the state and yeah. the time frame that people put on certain things and i was like that's just not gonna work for me and my family i've got to accelerate this mm-hmm. and I, so i started looking at classifications and i went you know what I'm more than qualified for AGPA. In fact, I probably qualify for SSM one or two, but everyone's telling me it's not possible. So I said, okay, well, regardless of what everyone said, I still tried. And I was able to get a position after a year as an AGPA. And Mm -hmm. from there went the SSM one route. From there went SSM one to two, where I am now. And I did that in less than seven years. So a lot of people looked at that and are like, wow, that's crazy. You know, who did you know? And I was like, I didn't know anybody. I don't. I literally, you know, just applied, worked really hard, made sure that, you know, I showed my skill sets and and documented them because I think that's important and just did what it took and put my nose to the grindstone and just pushed and pushed every single day, first on site, last to leave, you know, the basics and it paid off. And now I'm in a position that I didn't think I'd be able to attain, you know, 10 to 15 years and I'm there now doing you know what i was asking my my old bosses who are in my position who i love dearly melinda peacock and rachel cameron shout out (laughs) (laughs) they were both the chief of business services which i am now and they were both just instrumental in guiding me and helping me and encouraging me to challenge the status quo in the state right and challenge the, the process exactly and and here we are and i look back on it and i'm like man it's almost been 10 years now in service. You know, I, I think I'm a, almost, oh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. I'm a little, little over, yeah, well, almost 10 years, eight point something, you know, how PERS rates right. in the formula. I'm right. like a month away from nine years or something like that. So, nice. but you know, it's, it's just incredible to, you know, look back and see the journey and go, wow, I really never in a million years did I think I could beat the status quo that many times and get to where I am. And so, and I think for me, having done that so quickly, it also helps me keep grounded in the fact that I know what my OT staff, my SSA staff, my AGPA staff, my BSO staff, my, you know, my health and safety officer, what they're going through and what their jobs, you know, what the challenges are being a staff. And so I try to make sure I'm the voice of reason for them to my leadership in the bridges and things that happen. And I think they really appreciate, I hope they really appreciate that because it wasn't too long ago that I was in their shoes. You know what I mean? And that's not easy to do. Uh, Part of the growth journey as a leader, I think is learning how to advocate and you have to connect with your staff first and foremost. And if you've done their jobs, if you've been in their shoes, then it's easier for you to see what they do from their lens. You know, you yourself in their shoes and you speak their language. You're at that frequency. They're following your lead, hopefully, because you're doing those things. But to your point about your path, and that's what I want all the listeners to know. If you're not in the state and you want to work for the state and you're looking at the pay, don't look at the pay. definitely seek out people that know what's going on so that you don't start at a level that you probably shouldn't to get your foot in the door because you can get labeled as just 
putting in your time until you go on to the next great thing. And that can impact your chances to get a job because people see you as a flight risk, right? But there's not just one prescribed path. Like my path to getting where I am today was not exactly conventional. I had some great mentors in my life uh, telling me you should do this, you should do that. And I'm like, why? I didn't even think <laughs> I was wanting to be a manager at 25 years old, but that's what happened, right? right? So yeah, I've been in the game, management game, leadership game, 16 years, and I'll have 20 years of state service in November. But even when my wife was working for the state, her path wasn't standard either. And she got kind of she had issues getting to OT and I'm like, well, you know, if they're that severe, screw it. Let's carve out another path. Let's build another door. Let's right. look at all the promotions that I was able to achieve. Most of them weren't, weren't from open list appointments. Right. They were all from departmental promotion lists. And what I realized was that once you work a place, you're eligible to take their, and I wish they would get back to these departmental promotional exams. You're eligible to take those for like up to, I think, three years after you're gone. So you should take advantage of that because those lists can be used by other departments. So I told her that's what happened with me. She didn't believe me, but then she did it. <laughs> she did it, and then she got promoted. And it turned out to be the best job she ever had. And I followed her there eventually, you know, based on the story of me wanting to look after her after some of the more devastating pregnancy losses. But I followed her to that organization because she she lit up when she talked about that sense of family there, like you're speaking about, and yeah. th those leaders higher up that cared. You know, mm -hmm. they were all servants. They were all. They'd all done the work. They'd all put in the time and they saw something in her. They saw that workhorse. They saw that first in, last to leave. And they nurtured that, right? And yeah. then when she got on that path, then it was like things became easier. And she's like, holy crap. You know, there's, there is there is more than one different path. And all you have to do is be willing to allow yourself to be vulnerable. In right. order to either in your case, it's leaving that comfortable nest. And you know that every leadership footprint anywhere else you go is going to be different. You're not going to have the same good feelings and vibes at higher levels. It, you, there might be more stress and pressure on you, or you might just be asked to carry some of that burden that you didn't want to carry by taking on that job. So it's a mixed bag, but I think the best advice I can give you is that when you are ready to start interviewing, find opportunities during the interview or interviews, if you can have a first interview or a second interview to turn the interview conversation around and start interviewing them and not them as individuals, but them as the organization that they work for, right? Because right. it's not just who you're working for, you're interviewing to work at the organization which has a mission, which has a vision, which has strategic plan, goals, objectives, and strategies. All that stuff matters, right? Yeah. And true. so when you turn it around on them, like one of the things I do in interviews, and I don't know, I mean, I, I, I have fun in interviews. I don't really get nervous. <laughs> I've been doing them a while, but one of the things I ask people is either what keeps you up at night or when do you know you've had a really good day? What does it look like? Just tell me those things. And it's kind of a round robin opportunity for folks because that's me interviewing them like, all right, you guys might be looking for somebody, but I'm also looking to be comfortable. I don't want to take on a job where I'm not going to be comfortable, where I don't get the good vibes from the people or where it's very clear. And believe me, you can tell when you're surrounded by strong leaders and when you're not. Right. So at the end of the day, you want to get in a position where you have the ability to either say yes or no, or they have the ability to say yes or no. And if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit, you know, because certain things matter to you. You know, that whole family oriented environment is nice. You don't necessarily get that with the larger organizations. You, you typically get it with the smaller organizations, less than a thousand, sometimes the hundred plus, 300 something plus. I've worked at those places like state treasurer's mm -hmm. office. That was a great job. That's why I stayed five years. I think it was just, I spent the first three just looking after my wife. And then I put things into overdrive with going to the IT leadership Academy and ended up getting an award and right. uh, employee of the month. And ultimately I, boom, I got promoted and where I'm working now, but I liked that family environment. I liked how people took care of one another and I liked the leadership. Right. You know, well, and different levels. Yeah. And I, I think it goes to the point again, uh, don't pick your job, pick your boss. Mm -hmm. it, it's so important. I mean, to a certain extent, you want to have the job functions that you're passionate about, because I think that makes the job easier when you're passionate about your work and you love what you do. That's great. 
But I'm telling you what, I'll do any job if my manager or leader above me and my leadership in place is the kind that is supportive and encouraging and willing to be vulnerable in front of me and not play the, and I'll go as far as saying not play the politician. Don't, right, right, don't right. sugarcoat things. Don't, don't be, you know, I, I appreciate truth more than I appreciate trying to make me feel good about the bad examples or the bad instances that are happening. Being real, and I, I value that more than I do, I think, anything else. And so knowing the truth, which is sometimes tough to hear, it shows me respect as well. You know what I mean? And yeah, so yeah, I, I do I really value that. And that's one of my strong uh, requirements in leadership that I that I choose, not only that choose me, hopefully in the interview process, like you're talking about, you can ask those questions to get to know and hopefully that directs supervisors in there in those, you know, in which sometimes they're not always. And, you know, hopefully you can get to the point where you get to ask those questions and kind of get a feel for that. So, yeah. And I've, I've been on some interviews of late and had fun with them. And it's just like it's kind of at the end of the day take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. What I bring to the table, if you're looking for something different and that became clear either through my responses to the questions or just, yeah, this isn't the best fit, then that's fine. Right. But bring the energy, bring your A game, bring your passion, yes. speak truth and about truth. I think you bring up a good point. I'm glad you hopped aboard the cruise ship today and talked about truth because I think that is a part of my fabric where I found that's a connection mechanism for me being able to speak truth with the staff if I understand where my role is in the strategic plan and all that fun stuff and I can sell my team on where their role is and stuff and they can see that I'm advocating for them that's where the truth comes in for me where it's like amen to that I, I don't want to leave things out that they need to hear because you're, you're giving people a false sense of either security or reality. Right. And the bottom line is we all have choices to make. And that's the thing about me as a leader. I'm never going to tell somebody they don't have a freaking choice yep. because to me, it's a big state. You shouldn't be <laughs> married to one department. As long as you're bringing value to the state as a civil servant, it doesn't matter if you go here or there or you take your talent somewhere else for whatever reasons. But I don't want to be the person that's holding somebody back from realizing their potential. Sometimes people just say, you know what, I've been here my whole career. I don't want to leave that question unanswered of what if I went somewhere else and all other good stuff. I always wonder if I don't take the chance. And then some people come back for all sorts of reasons. It's not always about performance. Sometimes it's like I have this saying, Eric, you can only hold your breath for so long. So maybe some people in interviews are on their best behavior. Right. Maybe you can get a sense for what you're walking into based on the types of questions that they ask. And at the lower levels outside of management, some people see that when they get to an organization, they're like, oh, no, I'm going to get dumped on here. I'm out. Yep. You know, well, they hit the eject button. Yeah, no, and definitely. And I think that, you know, the goes back to, you know, I, I think for me, the whole truth factor, I respect and appreciate and value being real in the office environment, in the professional environment more than I do somebody who can get up and give a good presentation and hit all the keywords and hit all the key fuzzy feeling sayings and everything. I would almost say that I enjoy more somebody who gets up and just speaks from the heart and is like, look, team, here's where we're at. Here's where we need to go. Here's the challenges we're going to face. And here's the ones we're facing right now. Here's the things we've done that aren't working and we need to readdress how we're approaching these. What are your thoughts? What are your ideas? I think my team, and I hope they value this, is that I go to them constantly and say, look, here's a project that's been handed down. Here's the end game. Here's what we got to do. What do you guys think is the best way to get to that? And they just, it's funny, because a lot of the times these are pretty high level things that need to be accomplished. And they're like, why is he asking us? And for me, it's, I love nothing more than when my boss or my upper management included me in processes and decisions and things that led to bigger stakes in the department, right? When you feel like you have a stake in the game and your opinion matters, your choices matter, it really resonates with the team and they feel like they're invested in something now instead of being, 
oh, well, I was tasked with this. I was tasked with this. I was tasked with this. Mm-hmm. They're, they're part of the decision-making process. And I think people value that more than leaders are willing to admit. And I think that their opinions and their decisions of how to do things matter. And so when you can take that as, as, as a manager or as a, a leader and take all those different insights from your team and go, okay, stepping back, looking at this, I had one idea of how this should go, but the team is thinking it's more along these lines and they're the ones that are actually going to be doing majority of these tasks. Right. Yeah. Is there any harm in letting it happen on that path? And will it make my team stronger in the end and still provide the same outcomes? And I think it builds these teams where people are like, I've got this idea. I'm going to go to Eric and share it with him because he's open to hearing it and he's not going to just shut me down Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about it. And if it's good, he'll tell me. And if it's bad, he'll tell me, you know, and I think my team respects that. And at least I hope they do because that's what I want in leadership. Right. And I try to be, and I know this sounds so cliche, but I want to be what I appreciated when I was coming up in the ranks. Right. Mm -hmm. And, I also don't want to be what I've seen because I've also had horrible managers and supervisors. Mm-hmm. You know, and I won't get in too much depth of that because it's it's you know it's Debbie Downer stuff. No, you know, it, and it <laughs> yeah, get down that rabbit hole and we could spend hours on that. And but, we don't want to we don't want the vessel <clears throat> to take on that kind of water, right? Right, <laughs> and go through a hole and turn into the Titanic really quick. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, I think it's important that people are comfortable in approaching their leadership and their managers and sharing their their values and their hearts and their what's important to them because it helps you as a leader guide and kind of steer and navigate your your own cruise ship you know yeah so well since we mentioned titanic i think we should have some fun aboard the cruise ship eric let's play jack and rose who do you want to be do you want to be jack or do you want to be rose after it sank and they're in the water trying to find themselves or he's shackled to the inside of the room where the guy kind of put away the key. Making Jack's position very appealing right now. I don't, you know. Well, we're just going to say Jack and Rose back and forth. So who do you want to be, my friend? Uh, I'll say, I'll start with Jack, then. the challenge. Okay. So all we're going to do is just passionately shout back and forth, Jack and Rose, so that the audience can get a good laugh. So you said you're going to be Jack. Okay. So I'm going to be Rose. Rose! Jack! Rose! Jack! Rose! Jack! What are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. You're so stupid! Can we re- oh, they can't see us. I was going to say we could do the stand at the front of the ship and put our arms out. No, thanks, bro. <laughs> Whatever. Well, we could do, what's that app? Reface app? You could find that on Reface app. And, you know, we should do that. We should go look and see if it's out there. Oh, you know, no. And then you add your picture, I add my picture, and then we kind of post it. There we go. That, yeah, that would, that would definitely get us promotions right there. Well, since you you brought up so much uh, great wisdom about leadership, uh, one of the things I kind of want to share is I think leadership is very much tied to personality and leadership effectiveness is tied to personality. To me, you can't be an effective leader with a really dry personality because then you get into (laughs) following issues. But I have this personality assessment that I did at one of my former jobs and it's kind of nice because it breaks it down into three different dimensions of personality. So the Mm -hmm. first is rational. And that basically in the graph is four colors. It's a yellow, blue, green, and red. And the rational dimension is basically your preferred style and it reflects your strengths and the roles that you enjoy. So here's what it said about me when I did this survey back in like 2008. Okay. So Mike, I went by Mike back then instead of Michael. Now I've drifted towards Michael in my older years, but Mike likes service oriented and coordinating roles, interacts with people and is helpful in approach is thoughtful and responsive when managing promotes mutual efforts and maintains harmonious interaction, gets things done by performing activities to benefit others. So that sounds a lot like me still to this day, huh? Yeah, I would say definitely. That's, that's crazy because 
over the years, even when you evolve and you grow, mm -hmm. I think all it does is strengthen your positions. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those dimensions go outward. Yeah. So here's the next one. It's called socialize. And it represents the way that you learned you should interact with others. It reflects the way you expect others to communicate with you. So Mike, that guy, Mike, expects <laughs> management and others to work towards a coordinated effort. They should involve associates and be forward looking. If approached right, will be supportive of an expanding effort. To overcome problems, modifies goals and tries to fit in. I think that's what you saw me doing yep. in the uh, five day cohort, where it's like I'm reading the energy in the room, uh, reading the controversy. Some of it I would sit out. Yeah. Some of it I would jump in and steer to a more harmonious outcome. But the, the last dimension is the instinctive dimension. And to me, this is like uh, an interesting one because it says it represents the basic concerns that must be satisfied to feel confident and effective. And it says Mike, that guy Mike again, has a need to channel energy into productive activities. It's got nothing to do with this podcast or book or <laughs> audio book. <laughs> Motivated to maintain a self-check on performance. So I think self-awareness is important, as you kind of alluded to. In making decisions, uses experience, foresees difficulties, and develops a strategy. Under pressure, moves towards closure in a determined fashion. So that's my personalysis, personality profile. And there's all sorts of ones out there, but that one's interesting. It's from a company called Personalysis Corporation. So awesome. What are, what are your thoughts, man? Oh man, I you know I, I've done a few of those in the past myself. Um, one of them was job required. Um, it was part of the the interview process. Hmm. And I got to tell you, the thing that stands out the most to me that I resonate with is purpose. Right. I tell you what, if if something to me has purpose and meaning, it's almost like everything else doesn't matter. And that personally, as well as professionally. I think when your leadership or somebody comes to you and says, hey, this is the goal and this is what we're trying to accomplish. And the purpose and the mission of that strikes a chord with you, I think it propels you forward and, and you become passionate about the process the goal, the the finish line, and everything in between. And I know for me, it matters so much more than pay, than benefits, than, and almost to the point that I would say, I would even, if the purpose, you know, it's kind of, I always go back to the Purpose Driven Life, that book. And I think that's why so many psychologists focus on that right now, and, and Simon Sinek and all them, you know, the some of the really powerful social media influencers right now. Mm -hmm. They're, they're telling people to find their purpose. And I think there's a reason for that. It's because mentally, you know, we're wired to be passionate about things we find purpose in and that, and that drive our, our inner, you know, mo deepest thoughts. And so yeah, yeah. not getting, not getting too emotionally, you know, down the rabbit hole, but I think, you know, that drive when you've got a mission and a purpose and a goal and you're passionate about that you'll do anything you'll go you know you'll work the long extra hours you'll put in the extra effort you'll for me you'll work through your lunches you'll you'll eat while you're walking down the hall to get to the, <laughs> the part of the facility that require you know you'll make these sacrifices um you'll work the weekends you know and and you as well as i know as managers we don't get overtime so yeah you know any of these extra times you know and being over facilities i'm on call 24 7 so there's a lot of times I get calls at two, three in the morning from my deputy or from my direct, my direct manager or, you know, someone else. And they're like, Hey, this is what's going on with the billing powers out. There's an HVAC issue. There's a security threat, whatever it be, but I'm passionate about that. And the ultimate goal is to that knowing that for me, the purpose and my mission is to make sure the staff, the building and our equipment is safe and sound and functioning and I'm driven by that. So it it doesn't cause me heartache, right? Yeah. And so I think it just goes back to listening to what you're saying and what drives you. You know, there are core competencies of a leader, mm -hmm. but I think being able to relate those into people skills and being able to communicate with people and have compassion and authenticity is so important and it's so undervalued almost. Yep. People look for the degree, they look for, you know, and 
and I'll be the first one to say it, I have no college degree. I am self-taught and I, you know, I don't have any plans of going back to school or college. You know, there's a lot of emphasis put on having a college degree and everybody's got their opinions on it. I've been fortunate enough to be able to teach myself everything I've needed to learn either for free or by reading books or hopping on YouTube or taking classes outside of, you know, yeah. going, yeah, getting to a college every day, you know, and taking classes and doing oh, that. You Not, have, you have high aptitude. Well, I appreciate that. I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I don't want to gloat, but you know, I hope that it shows and that I'm able to demonstrate that because when you don't have that piece of paper, people really look to what you have to show that says, okay, well, you're capable of doing this because, you know, you've done this, this, and this, and it's all been successful. You don't have a piece of paper that says, well, look, I learned all this stuff and I tested on it. So, you know, I have the knowledge. Now let me go out and do it. I had to go and prove I could do it and do it in little steps to where they give me a little bit more then a little bit more. And then pretty soon I'm doing ground up builds that are, you know, $13 million buildings and, you know, I'm overseeing infrastructure projects that are millions of dollars. And, you know, I'm doing software implementation for reservation systems that don't even fall under me, but because it had to do with facilities and space planning, they figured it'd be a good, you know, spot for it. And so, you know, and just in all that, in a nutshell, I'm passionate about all that stuff. So it drove me to be successful and to reach out and work with who I needed to work with to accomplish the end goal. Yep. And then seeing it come to fruition to me is like the best thing on earth. That's like, you know, short of my children being born, I, I don't think, I think that's the closest thing I could relate it to is it's almost like another child and you're seeing it come to fruition and grow and, and flourish and prosper. And it's a great feeling and it drives this passion. And I think when you see that in other people, especially your own team, Oh my goodness. Like, yeah, it just, it, I, you know, I'm, uh, you know, already, I think more in touch with my emotions than most of my friends, <laughs> you know, I get messed with about it all the time, but man, some of my teammates, they do some stuff that just bore me. And I looked at them and I go, man, you guys make me so proud and so happy to be part of this team. I could almost cry right now. And they're just like, Oh my gosh, don't you cry. It's going to make me cry. And you know, so. <laughs> Let's hug it out. Oh my God. Yeah, I know, right? Bring it in. Bring it in. No, I, I can relate, Eric. I, I really can. I mean, uh, I get more satisfaction out of helping others grow than any award that I've received. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like now it's all about the work through my triplets. And oh, yeah. It's three different versions of trying to make them be successful and productive members of society, but grounded, humble, not just like completely right. spoiled, where it's like, look, life is going to come at you all sorts of different ways. I want you to be disappointed. I want you to fail. Right. I want you to be successful. I want you to want to win. I want you to mm -hmm. really push yourself, you know, because they keep asking me all these basic questions like, how are you good at this? How are you good at that? It's like, well, there was a point where I wasn't good at it. Right. There was a point where I had to work to be better at it. There was a point to where I was good. And then there was a point where sometimes I got great, but it was all through perseverance, practice, failing. Right. And, in and I, case, yeah. And I think teaching kids and, and I think it's great at a younger age. We both have several children and you've got your three. I've mm -hmm. got, I've got four little ones. Mm -hmm. Well, not little ones, but my youngest is two. My oldest is 10 now, mm -hmm. but teaching them to still want to win even after failing multiple times, Yeah, not giving up and, and not getting defeated. I think that is the, one of the biggest challenges we face right now in society is you know perseverance is yep. teaching that to our, our youth and teaching them that failure is number one it's okay and number two it means that you're pushing yourself if you don't fail if you know you know and here we go get into my favorite quotes if you never fail you're never trying hard enough you know yep. because to fail it means you're pushing yourself into an area that you're not comfortable or that you don't know what better way to learn and this is how i learned going back to your assessment you know how i learn i learn by doing mm -hmm. so when you give me a project and you say hey we need to get this up and running to do this i am best at and i feel i strive and flourish and passion when i have to go figure things out i love problem solving 
you give me a problem, man, I tell you what, I am, I'm going to work day and night until I fix that problem because that is the greatest reward. And being able to teach that to our children and the youth and our team members and our staff and make them passionate about that and feeling reward when they complete that, I think is huge beyond measure. Well, I, I've been thinking a lot about, I don't plan on staying where I work forever. Right. It's just not reality. I'm on a different path. I know that and I embrace yeah. that. And I've, I've reached acceptance in that space. So at some point I start turning my attention to, all right, what exactly is my legacy? And right. me, what I've realized is that the work is the work. And it will always be the work with what I do, but it's the people, it's the hires, it's the quality of the hires, it's how well they work together and how proud they've made me of what they've done as a team. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so at the end of the day, for me, I think that I could look in the mirror and say, I did right by this organization, I did right by the staff, and I'll be memorable I feel I've been memorable everywhere I've been for different reasons, but at its core, it's a couple of things. A, I've spoken the truth. I've been me. I've never wavered from being me. And I've been approachable. I've been an advocate. And I've been resourceful. There you go. And I grow on people. You know, it's like the longer I'm at an organization, <laughs> the more I grow on people. But now I'm just putting things into overdrive where it's like, you know what? I have a really good sense for what my purpose is as a leader, and it goes beyond just state government. It's why well, I've got to be a leader to my kids. And I think having kids with the way that I had them has made me a better leader, better manager, because it's like, yeah, I have to manage these people, too. But just in general, I've had fun really evolving within my purpose and harnessing my abilities to reach people and it's, it's exactly like my dad was doing, just a different flavor and it's wow. in alignment with who I've become as a person. So it's just like he had a bingo voice and he called bingo and a radio <laughs> voice and he had the ability to influence a room and just right. by what he said. And I don't even think I was around some of those times where he was doing that, but that's just who he was. He was comfortable in his own skin. He was authentic. Yep. And he was in the Navy and, you know, I miss him terribly. You know, we're coming up on the, uh, oh man, geez, he's been gone almost 13 years now. Oh, wow. April 7th. So that's a big day coming up. That's why I posted what I posted as far as the uh, audio yeah. from the book, because it's just like, yeah, things are really coming full circle for me. And I, I understand my purpose. I'm a bridge, you know, people, processes and technology. I like using my abilities and experience accumulated over the years to drive change, to inspire people. And I, when I do look around at organizations I might want to work for, yeah, I'm interviewing them. I'm interviewing not just the people on the panel, but I'm interviewing the organization because I want to be comfortable. And when I'm not comfortable, that's not good for either side, right? And I'm sure it's the same for you. Right. Right. Well, and you, yeah. And you said something that kind of resonated is two points. First, your you know, legacy. I think back on when I've had good leadership and they've left the organization for promotion or whatever the reason. And we all sit around as a team and we're, man, we miss so-and-so so much. Man, remember when they used to do this? Man, just, my goal is every organization I touch, I want to leave that legacy. I want people to go, man, I wish Eric was here. Man, remember when Eric was here and he did this and man, if Eric was here right now, he'd fix this and nobody would have, you know, these issues. And that's the legacy I want to leave, you know, and that's what I hope I can attain at every organization I touch. And also with my friendships, right? I, I want people to miss me when I'm not around, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to bring value to everything that I'm involved in. And I think that is basic, like structure of what a human being should be. Legacy gets, for me, is so much deeper than just professional and personal in our children and, and, you know, our heritage and all that. But I think being able to look back on everything you've touched in your life and, and say, I gave it my all. And yeah. then I, and then I went above and beyond that even, you know, and I, I, I made, I made sure that I went the extra mile. And then you mentioned fathers and, you know, it's funny, our fathers are more alike than I knew when I listened to you recently and we kind of talked about it. Yeah. 
My father was in radio and he ran a large broadcasting uh, network my whole upbringing um, and retired from that, you know, 10, 15 years ago. He was also in the military. And, you know, so growing up and listening to him as a DJ, listening to him, you know, watching him going to concerts and emceeing concerts and, you know, growing up in that environment, I really got a knack for, I think, public speaking. I really enjoy that. They call me, there's a nickname and anybody from Fiscal that listens to this will know it right away. But my nickname around there and everyone refers to me as DJ EJ. Um, and the reason is, is because I am the master of ceremonies and I, I host basically all of our events. So whenever we have nice. um, award ceremonies or we have, you know, what we call picnic in the parking lot and we have a big barbecue and we weren't able to do it with the pandemic this year, but or last year, but you know, we, we have a, a sound system that was, you know, part of our uh, building infrastructure when we first started Fiscal as a smaller project. I mean, it's a couple speakers and an amp and, you know, a soundboard. And so, you know, I, I run the music and I kind of DJ and, and, you know, do host games and nice. give awards and it's a blast, but Sounds I got like it. Yeah. And, you know, we did some goofy things where they, you know, we did a, a photo shoot where they took pictures of me and I, I took a small wall clock and we hung it around my neck and it looked like Flavor Flav on it. <laughs> and, uh, Flavor Flav. Yeah. Yeah. Just goofy stuff. But, you know, it really, uh, and I had something else that I was going to, that you thought of when you're talking about legacy is if you want to see what people like, you want a humbling experience, at least it was for me. I had reached out recently on my LinkedIn profile to several folks and asked them if they would be willing to write a recommendation. Mm -hmm. And when people reach back, they, you know, a lot of times, oh, what's your angle? What are you trying to do? And I said, I'm just looking for truth. Mm -hmm. I just want you to be truthful. Yeah. And what's, what everybody wrote on my LinkedIn profile kind of was the same thing. And so I'm starting to look at it and I'm going, you want to talk about being humbled, man. And you want to yeah. talk about being floored. Like it almost brought me to tears. These are some very influential, in my opinion, leaders and managers and directors of organizations mm -hmm. that are writing things. And I'm looking at this going, you really think that of me? Mm -hmm. Wow. Like, okay, maybe what I am doing in my approach is paying off somewhat. Yeah. And what an, what a encouragement to keep pushing forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And so feeling that is what, in turn, I want to give to the people I touch and my staff. So, you know, just what a what a neat feeling. And if you can yeah. pass that on as a leader to your staff and your team, wow, you know, just yeah. wow. And that kind of takes us to the next point. But before we really get there, I would just say that it just proves that every day is an interview and you really don't know just how much someone's paying attention to you and how you fill up their perception bucket. You know, how do they perceive DJ EJ? Right. I'm going to end this with a, uh, if I have it, a turntable thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and edit that. And the headline's going to be yeah. podcast with famous DJ EJ. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I might have to change it up a little bit. But uh, <laughs> So as we dock the boat here, and thanks for hopping aboard, Eric. It's been a, a blast uh, taking a deep dive in the deep waters with uh, you on leadership. But what, what words of wisdom would you leave our listeners? And please share this wide and far with uh, Fiscal. I'm sure uh, the director, Miriam, she will like to hear this. Uh, uh, we're okay. from the same family, even though she was at Department of Toxic Substances Control after I had already left. But I have okay. been following what she does, and I am going to order her sister's book, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> just so you yeah. know. Yes. All right. I will let her know. Yeah. Definitely. You know what? What I honestly would leave with people is keep trying. Um, you know, we're we're living in times right now that are such a struggle for so many, and you know, I don't want to sound cliche. But if you keep pushing forward, eventually all the roadblocks won't be able to stand up anymore. Eventually all the hurdles will not be there and they won't be able, you know, perseverance and tenacity and grit are values that always succeed. Um, and so I would tell people, 
you know, if you're, you know, struggling right now, times are tough, money's tight, the economy's fluctuating, we're unsure about health, push forward every day, get up, take that shower, you know, if you're, if you got to shave, shave, you know, <laughs> do the basics, get some sunlight, get some fresh air and push forward, accomplish something, make your goal to be to accomplish something daily. That way, at the end of the day, you can look back at it and say, this was not a day lost. This was not a day wasted. And some days, even on the weekends, might be a day of rest. And that's the accomplishment is that you're resting and recovering. So you're better on Monday. And so I would leave that. I, I, I would leave that with people. And my words, my, my Eric's words of wisdom would be always push forward, always try, never give up. And failure is not defeat as long as you try again. Wow, man, super powerful. I don't have any tissue nearby, but uh, I, I would I would need one if I did. But before I let you off the boat and disembark, uh, let's let's do the Jack and Rose thing one more time with the roles reversed. So I think last okay. time you were Jack, right? Yeah. And uh, this time you are going to be Rose, right? So am I going to yell Rose or am I going to yell Jack now? Because wasn't I yelling Jack before? Uh, you were yelling Rose. Was I? Yeah. Oh my god! I, I was I was Rose, so I'm gonna be. Huh. Uh, who am I gonna be this time? <laughs> well, if you're yelling, Rose. Well, see, yeah. see how I can mess this whole thing up for you. You, real you quick? messed it up, man. But <laughs> let's just do it again. You okay. can be whoever you want. Let's just do it again. All right, Jack, Rose, Jack, don't, Rose, Jack, Rose. <laughs> Captain K man out.